CFAM Radio 950 now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open, 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. I was just telling Eva, it is a beautiful sunny more sunny morning here in manitoba oh i love mornings like this and yes i was spurred by the energy i have to say i was up pretty early just like the farmers because i knew i had to be at the garden center early to check things out it is looking beautiful here and i must say oh i think i may have told you something about the geese in our front parking lot well they're saying that uh, we're putting in some new water canals or water systems here, and they were a little bit deep, and with the last little moisture we had, they filled up with some moisture. It was like watching them swim down the French canals. They loved it. But unfortunately, this morning, they needed me at the front door and were squawking away because, unfortunately, we filled in those canals. So today, they're sitting on the roofs of the greenhouses squawking and going, what did you do and what's going on? Where are our little Manitoba water canals? Well, they'll have to find some rivers to go to because we are changing things up. And it's the inspiration about what is happening. We're planting, we're changing. And it's motivational. It gets us outside. So who doesn't want to plant a garden? So listen to this poem, Plant a Garden. If your purse no longer bulges and you've lost your golden treasure, if at times you think you're lonely and have hungry grown for pleasure, don't sit by your hearth and grumble. Don't let mind and spirit harden. If it's thrills of joy you wish for, get to work and plant a garden. If it's drama that you sigh for, plant a garden and you'll get it. You will know the thrill of battle fighting foes. That will be said it. If you long for entertainment, for pageantry must glowing, plant a garden and this summer spend your time with green things growing. If it's comradeship you cite for, learn the fellowship of daisies. You will come to know your neighbor by the blossoms that he raises. If you'd get away from boredom and find the delights to look for, learn for the joys of budding pansies which you've kept a special nook for. If you ever think of dying and you fear to wake tomorrow, plant a garden. It will cure you of your melancholy sorrow. Once you've learned to know the peonies, petunias, and roses, you will find every morning some new happiness discloses. And that's what a garden does. Hope, exercise. It is May 1. We're getting closer to getting in the garden and seeing those flowers and plants and veggies growing. So let's start the conversation today about gardening. Shirley is waiting on the line. Good morning, Shirley. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Shirley? Oh, it's going to be a nice day today to work outside. Oh, (laughs) I agree. I agree. And where are you calling from? Kaleida. Kaleida. Well, hello, Kaleida. Hi. Um... I got a question for you about my spruce trees. I noticed that, like a lot of them, they don't have their look like the branches are dead in the middle of the trees and that. Do I trim them off or what do I do with them? Okay, can I ask a couple questions first? 
Um, mm-hmm. A, how old is the tree, or how tall, uh, or? Um, there, some of them are five years old, and some of them are about four, some three years old. But I've uh, noticed that uh, I don't know if that because there was no snow this winter or whatever that the branches are they look like they're dead, and some of them have been dead already for a couple of years. So I just kept leaving them, but I don't know should I trim them out or what should I do with them. Yeah, with spruce trees, we find that over the winter uh, we get different things that happen, that browning of those branches. And the explanation is, is if there's uh, not enough moisture in the ground, because cedars and evergreens and uh, junipers all require a nice warm or nice heavy moisture in the fall. And right now, even now when they're waking up, our water table is very low. So what happens if the cells of those structures of those of those spruces are not content with the moisture, the winds can act like a desiccant that break and take the moisture from it. And sun re- reflectivity off of uh, that crispy white snow also opens up some of the cells during the wintertime. And then the winds again act like a desiccant. So if the branches have been brown for a number of years, trim them out. Because we know that if we have areas of uh, decaying or dead leaves or branches, that opens up for more disease. So I would say remove the branching that are brown. But this year's, if you find that on your cedars and evergreens this year that have the tippings of them brown, I would usually say wait until uh, June to see if the bud sets from last year's set is dead or not. Because as soon as a spruce opens up in May into June, the bud, you see the new, nice new bud growth opening up. It's so soft and you think, yes, oh, I'm going to have some more new growth. Well, mm-hmm. if, if on your spruce tree, if they haven't died off completely, it might just be a light case of it. You may have mm-hmm. last year's bud set open up. Okay? Okay. Okay, so mm-hmm. wait till, wait till um, end of May. You'll start to see it mid-May to end of May if, you're, if that bud set is going to open up on you, Okay. And sometimes Those ones it, in the middle that are, are, they've been dead for a couple of years, um, yeah. when I cut them off, will they bring out new branches or no. what will happen in that middle part? Yeah, that will, be, that will, sometimes you'll take forever and ever. It's a longer time span, but generally not. You'll have a little bit of an opening space that's in there. But then when you mm-hmm. open up those branches, the branch either above or below will thicken up on those areas, right? Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. And sometimes when we get into it, sometimes and it's hard to stay start shearing and shaping because then you're going to be tied to it forever. But uh, oh, yeah. give it some time frame. But right now, the most important thing that you need to do is put some moisture into the ground for those evergreens and junipers. That is the most important thing. Okay. Yeah. What about all the needles on the underneath the trees? Should those be taken out, or do I leave them, or what? What well, should I do with them? Okay, so give me a picture around it. Is it in the existing garden, or is it a standalone uh, sort they're, of they're island? They're all over the place. Yeah, they're all like um, trying to build a shelter belt, but they're like they're far apart. And yeah. uh, just wondering whether those leaves should be or those needles should be uh, raked out from underneath, or should I leave them? Or well, considering that you're doing a shelter belt. And with the content that's there, I would probably say leave it there because, uh, A, 
I don't know the soil conditions of what you're growing in, but you generally uh, evergreens like acidic soils. So those needle castings that are dropping to the ground are helping to, uh, they're going to decompose and they're actually going to aid in keeping the acidic content of spruce trees and evergreens favorable for growing. So unless you okay. want to, you know, like you're not going to, you can't grow under evergreens because they just kill the acidic content plus the dropping in the needles and the shade just, you know, prevents that proper growth. So I'd yeah. say leave it there because you'll find that not even a lot of weeds like to grow under there. So that oh, nice yeah. content. Yeah. So you get a win-win. Mm-hmm. You create a shelter mm-hmm. belt. You have that needle mulch bed. Mm-hmm. You're feeding your evergreens and you're maybe not going to have as many weeds, okay? Okay. Yeah, and I've got another question for my apple trees and my cherry trees. They're starting to send out all these branches out around the trees. Um, sh- should I take them out, cut them out, or what should I do with them? Yeah, they're probably suckers that are coming from the bottom. If you want to uh, have it as a manicured, and I always like, um, I like cherry trees and apple trees to have a single stem, not a multi-stem. So uh, if there's suckers coming from the rooting system, whether it's coming from the original graft, so not knowing if it's a grafted variety, I would prune them out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Would what, what what those uh, branches also become apple trees or like bare apples or what would they, what, what depends. are they? Yeah, it depends on what the rootstock that they grafted it to. So it could be something else, uh, but it would have to. It would probably be in an apple family or in a malice, you know, that same kind of family that's there. Would they, would they become like a bush? Yeah, and you don't want a bush. Like with clear fruit and for doing orchards, you really don't want it on for an apple and cherry. I would, per, you know, my preference is to have a standalone tree that you're able to have your canopy raised up, and then you're able to clean underneath the tree because that's part and parcel with apple trees and cherry trees if to prevent the bugs and the diseases that are happening is cleaning and having a nice clean site of if fruit are dropping on the ground that's the when you get the apple maggots that harbor over winter in there so the more that you can have the raised canopy and clean the underside of your fruiting trees it's the beneficial Mm -hmm. part of it okay would i just cut them off at the ground or do i have to dig them out Nope, cut them off at the ground. Okay. Okay. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> you're welcome. So when you're outside in that nice sunny weather, you mm-hmm. have a couple you you have a couple jobs to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, plus okay. uh, plant my garden. We yes. really got most of the garden seeds in. Oh and, nice. Uh, and the seeds we put in last fall. Yeah. Uh, I did the onions and garlic and beets and carrots. And uh, the onion, the the garlic is up already, and uh, the other seeds look like they're trying to make the ground crack to come up, like yeah. the, the the beets. They're trying to come through. Oh, but that's good. No sign of the other ones, but uh, the garlic too. It's about two inches high. Oh, so. it sounds good. It sounds yep. great. Okay. Well, thank, yeah. Thank All you right. very much for your information. Okay, you're welcome, Shirley. And we're going to go right back to lines. Hello, good morning, Ed. Yes, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. We uh, got a mandalovilla plant last summer, and it was beautiful. And uh, I was just wondering, will it? Uh, I brought it in in the wintertime, and, and it, <clears throat> it pretty well dried up. Will it come again, or do we have to get a new one? 
Okay, I'm going to ask you some questions too, because before I say you have to toss it, we have to do a little investigation. Now, is there's no leaves at all on it? Uh, there was one stem come back this spring. Yeah. And it seemed to dry up too, so. Okay, now how long has it been dry? And two, are you able to scratch the outer cambium of your stems to see if it's green underneath and... Um, if it's been dry for like a month and you haven't seen any leaves, it might be... Yeah, I'll check it, I guess. Yeah, because if you, if you um, A, when we take mandevillas and hibiscus and some of these plants indoors over the winter, uh, they, are, they are tropical plants. We have to give them as much bright light as we can and reduce the watering on them because... A, if they start shutting down and, and going less light, less growth, that means less water. That's what I'm always telling when here, everyone here when they're learning about uh, watering plants. So if you have some viable new roots, just uh, prune them back. If you can scratch the cambium, which is the bark of either the stems or the branches, even on trees, it's a good little test. If you see green underneath that, there's still a viable flow of energy in that plant so increase the light even more to tr- but if it's bone dry water it but do not water it again until it is dry because what you have to try and do is get that there's the fancy things of xylem and phloem it's the energy of the moisture that goes up and down these uh, plant structures that cause the push of new leaves to come off the old wood okay but the first <clears throat> okay the first thing you have to do is uh, get out a little, um, you know, I have a little pocket knife that my dad gave me, and I usually scratch mm-hmm. the outer branches to sort of see if that is a viable plant still. Okay. okay. And I hate to say it, Ed, but if you get a very light, pale, green, grayish, then it's probably best to start over because you'll probably find that um, the other one just won't flourish as much as what you got the original one at okay good thank you very much you're very welcome ed thank you for calling bye-bye bye and you know what the mandevillas and diplodinias oh my they're gorgeous and we just got i i'm gonna say we just got a semi-tropicals in and the mandevilla is in peach the diplodinias are uh, in a deep blood red, pink and white. So if you want to create that tropical paradise, visit your garden centers and see what they have out there. Because whether you want bush shape or vining, they're awesome. Now, we have to go right to Vincent. Good morning, Vincent. Good morning. I'm calling from Gladstone, Manitoba. Good morning, Gladstone. I ha- just have a couple of transplanting questions. Sure. You, I'll make it easier. You can just answer spring or fall. Okay. Uh, rhubarb. Uh, fall. To move my rhubarb. Fall. Fall. Okay. And peonies. Fall. Fall. Okay. And I have a large cedar tree. It's about twenty-five or thirty years old, and it's getting way too close to the house and up to the eaves. Should I? I'd like to move it. It's probably too big, or should how, I just prune it? How big is it? It's. Uh, up to the, I have a single story house and it's past the eaves. Oh, it's getting, um, well, okay, so if it's 8 to 10 feet tall, uh, there is a company that does removals of big trees, but you have to remember too with big trees, 
If uh, some things that may cause a little bit of problematic areas are water pipes, electrical, fiber optics. So if those are anywhere near the area, I'd say start pruning it a little bit because it will be I'm on an acreage, so I've got tons of room. Okay, so if there is, uh, if you want to contact me, I do have a couple sources of people that have large tree spades that can do some removal. Oh, okay. I, I don't do it, but I'd gladly give it to some other people to do Yeah, it. so call an arborist then. Yeah. You call an arborist, yeah. and there's some good ones around that have mm-hmm. the, because uh, you need a caliper tree spade to undercut and yeah. take that out. Yeah. Okay? And I did take your advice about three years ago. I found about a different cedar tree that the deer were just eating and eating and eating. And so here's some advice some other, for other gardeners that have that problem. Yeah. I wrapped wire around about three rounds and as high as the tree for the last two or three years and then I put burlap around and I've been fertilizing and fertilizing and fertilizing and that cedar tree is starting to grow back from the bottom. Wow, that's good. I hate cu- I hate cutting anything down. You know what? <laughs> if if I I truly believe that i you know what when we do our landscape plans and and help people out too if we could save a tree because they give us so much like you know it's our canopy that keeps our world cool and it gives oh, us yeah. the air and everything so i agree with you it looked, and I, pre- it looked pretty sad for a couple of years but it's looking looking good now well you have stamina to look after that so bravo to yeah. you and the last question sweet peas my grandma always said put them in at the first of, of may is that too soon Sweet peas, you want to put them in when the ground is warm. Yeah, uh, I find that sweet peas, like corn, do not like a cold ground. Oh, okay, so wait a couple of weeks then. Or if you have that nice little spot, because uh, uh, I'll give a little shout out to my mom. Good morning, mom. She has a nice little warm spot just close to the step, close to her little garden area. And uh, her and dad used to put little sweet peas right through there because the sweet peas has such a beautiful scent. It's a south-facing fence. Okay. There's no trees around, so it's uh, fully open. It gets tons of sun. So if if that ground is warm, because there are a lot of little niche areas of gardens right now that are really cozy, then I would say if you want, sow half of them. And then in a couple more weeks or a few more weeks, sow a, a secondary crop so that you have that longevity of the sweet peas growing. Wonderful. Thank you for your advice. And you okay. have a wonderful day. And, and uh, it's a little early, but happy Mother's Day. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, take care, Carla. Okay, you Enjoy too. Enjoy your show. You. Oh, thank you for listening. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye, Vincent. You know what? It is such a good thing, and it's a good feeling to have when you're in the garden and the energy. Can you feel this energy? It is awesome. Okay, we're going to go right to Anne. Anne, good morning. Good morning, Carla. I enjoy your show. Keep up the good work. I've got quite a preamble before I get to the question. Okay. We we have seven 40-year-old linden trees on our farmyard. During the snowstorm of October 2019, one tree took a lot of damage. My husband cut off five thick branches, a quarter from the top. Many lower branches, 10 of them, were laden down with snow that last summer they didn't spring up to reach heavenward. These branches are 3 to 4 inches in diameter, 6 to 8 feet long, and 6 feet off the ground up the trunk. Originally, they were all shaped to point heavenward and looked gorgeous. 
Currently, these branches are at a right angle to the ground, and the last two feet curve upwards. Question, would it be beneficial if I prop them up good and proper with, say, a 2 by 4 to help them reach heavenward again? Okay, so the three to four inch thick branches that are closest to the ground, that occurred this year? No, they are, the branches are three to four inches in diameter, but they're six okay. to eight feet long. Yeah, and the weight that, uh, for those ones to go horizontal, laying a little bit more horizontal, uh, that injury occurred this year, right? It occurred during the snowstorm of 2019. 2019. Okay, yeah. You know what? Um, in that case, in 2019, 20, uh, if you supported them a little bit, it may a it may help them to revert backwards. But if they were going to rebound, they would have rebounded already and be showing some indication of doing that. But uh, take a look. There, but- there is still quite a bit of play in them, in that. When I go underneath them and stretch yeah. out, I can push them up quite a distance. Yeah. Okay. If you push them up, you can because as it matures, it will help to harden that structure. But in some cases, too, uh, it's like when we first plant a tree, if I use the analogy, if we first plant a tree and we give it that support structure of a, a tree wire and guide to keep it nice mm-hmm. and straight, mm-hmm. I would maybe do that for a year or mm-hmm. two, but then it, mm-hmm. the support structure has to be removed. Otherwise, the, the tree itself, it's like planting the new tree. If we leave that guide on then forever and ever, it doesn't support its structure. That's why I'm always mm-hmm. telling you guys to put a fan on your uh, new seedlings to give it that strength and that core. Yep. So yep. it's the yep. same it's the same the- uh, theory as if you put the support structure in the branches. And uh, yeah. You know what? Mom does it too because her apple trees get very weighted and she still wants mm-hmm. that upward pattern growth of it. Mm-hmm. So sure, mm-hmm. you know, uh, was, she's... Go ahead. I was thinking that maybe to do it for... Like I should have done it last year, but yeah. I didn't. Yeah. So I was thinking it wasn't too late because there's still so much play in these branches. And like obviously it's a mature tree. Yeah. Yeah. If if and, the branches... Um, if the branches... And at this point I'd say that uh, to increase the strength on it, if the branches themselves are three to four inches in di- diameter, caliper uh-huh. that's on there, and they're eight feet long, um, if there was pruning, light pruning that were when and if you were going to prune those trees on there, that will actually loosen some of the weight that's on it. And then if you do right. support it, it causes yeah. that regrowth on the new because mm-hmm. as soon as you prune a tree, what does it do? Produce more mm-hmm. branches. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I would probably, you know, the other thing too is you can consult an arborist that's on here because I am not a certified arborist at all. <laughs> but uh, just the analogy and the way that things work, a you could support it. But uh, the forty-year-old trees, oh my gosh, you have some good old trees there. Mm-hmm. Um, They're gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I would say I would probably support it, just like my mom mm-hmm. who supports her apple trees. And yep. if there's a possibility that you could prune those eight-foot branches slightly to remove some of the weight until the outer cambium gets mm-hmm. added strength, it could mm-hmm. be probably a win-win. Okay? Okay. Good All enough. right. Thanks okay. so much. Oh, you're very welcome. 
Okay. Have a good weekend. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Catherine is next. Good morning, Catherine. Hi. Good morning, Carla. Good I morning. I was listening to the wonderful guidance you were giving to the lady with the cherry trees, and the point about pruning them to a single stem, would that apply also to choke cherry trees? Because they're kind of more wild, so I didn't know if it would be the same thing. I have some choke cherry in my yard. Okay. Well, choke cherry, naturally, like you can get a... Um, Cherry themselves, like cherry for blossoming and fruiting, has a little bit more of a, let's say, a, a elegant, more framing to it is what I've been finding. Unless you're getting a bush type uh, Juliet and Valiant uh, bush form. But in my mind, and there's always a, a gardener who says, I like this and I like this. But the I find that cherry trees look better as a tree form myself. But with a choke cherry tree, and again, it depends on spatially as well tree form you can do or if you have acreages like uh you know uh some of the areas that you have if you have acreages where you have that large space choke cherry trees make nice hedging and rows in there too and they actually feed the birds as well right so you know it depends on what you're wanting to do with it choke cherry trees um i'm not favorable i you know i like that more as a bush tree i just have memories of going with mom and dad and picking choke cherries and blueberries and all that but the choke cherry trees would be up high you know and it would be more in the bush form well right i'm thinking it looks fine as a bush but then yep. i don't know is that is that the way i should leave it i guess maybe it is hey yeah i i i like choke cherry trees more as a bush form myself right like if it's that but if there's ornamental choke cherries too as well right so no these would be just i think they were probably originally wild they were there yep. when yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah if if in in some instances too if if some things are meant to be that wild aspect that is where you get the character of them and that's where they generally are you know it's like the french lilacs you know you see the the uh, wind rows of french lilacs that are just that massive wall and in nature that's that's something beautiful to me you know right yeah, and a choke cherry bush that's in, out there, oh, it's beautiful. Right, yeah. Okay. okay, well, thank you very much. Okay, and choke cherry jelly is very good. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Yeah, I have memories of choke cherry jelly, too, as well. Uh, you know what? There's all the different aspects of it, choke cherry jelly and Saskatoon uh, pie. You just gave, maybe it's because I'm hungry this morning. Who knows? So, you know what? These are different things. The lines are open. 1-800-374-3315. Um, and we now have Faye. I was going to give a preempt of what we should be doing in our garden, like top dressing the grass and the lawn right now and getting some stuff going. But let's go right to Faye. Hi, Faye. Good morning, Carla. How are you? I'm very well. And yourself? And I forgot to ask the last two people. I always like putting a pin on my map to sort of where everyone is. And where are you calling from? I'm from Stephenfield, just west of Carmen. Well, good. I think you're my first Stevensfield one. Oh, well, good. That's great. There you go. Okay. <laughs> we planted uh, evergreens about four or five years ago, and they were doing famously. Uh, we watered them every year, but last year one of them started to die from the top. And so this year, uh, in the spring now, none of, it has not happened to any of the others, but this one, it's about five feet high, uh, the rest of the tree is great, but we've got uh, about six or seven inches from the top that is dead, and it's brown. Is it a parasite of some sort, or a pest, or what is it? Okay, so 
There's a few things. It turns brown. Now, do you notice that there's a level of this tree? Because sometimes in areas we will get snow that banks up against some of our, our smaller evergreens, and the exposed area goes brown, and it may desiccant. So, it, A, do you get snow on that tree? And if it does, is it the top that's always exposed? Well, we didn't really didn't have much snow this year at all, but usually no, it doesn't bank okay. from on, on one side or another. Okay, I just have to ask that question mm-hmm. as my first one. Now, the other thing too that I'm going to ask is, generally, when the new buds begin to open up in the spring, if they start to open up and they should unfurl into these three, four inch soft and because they're soft, they sort of hang slightly oh, that's on it, on all new evergreens. Now, if you get a tipping that they open up and they're starting to open up, but then they're desiccated and they don't open completely or start to brown off, um, you could have a little bit of a blight that's happening on your spruce tree. So I would say um, if it continues on the new growth this year, uh, I would like to, like, if you can get a snippet of it and take it to your garden center you go to and have them take a look at the new growth because sometimes you can find the bugs and the diseases on those new plants, specifically the new growth, because it's easier for bugs to target them. Okay. okay. Do I cut, like, it's six or seven inches. Do I cut that off? Uh, if you cut it off and it's the lead growth tip, you mm-hmm. know, there's always, we call it the leader. Right. That's on it. If you cut that brown one off, intrinsically the plant and the spruce tree itself will generate a new lead and you'll see it that one branch will take over and become, it. you'll get a little bit of a wonky crook that's mm-hmm. in there, but one of the branches steps up and says, okay, our leader has passed away, someone's going to step up and right. take, the, take the direction. And okay. so that's the way that it will go for you, Okay. And so it won't damage anything, uh, the rest of the tree at all? Do I need to uh, cover it over with something if I cut it off, or will it, will it wax over itself? Or uh, If it's the size of, uh, you know, the size and thickness of a thumb or something, it will self-seal itself. Okay. Uh, you, you'll find that the branch, that when it goes down to that portion, portion of it, where it makes the connective tissue between dead and new, yeah. once you do a cut, it will have a sappy, um, sort of tarry, um, you know, sap that comes out of it, it right. will self-heal itself, okay? And do I do that now or do I wait? Uh, if it's dead, do it now because okay. when you want to do is when in active growth, when, then if you do it now, it's sooner that your next little lead guy is going to say, hey, we've lost our leader, let's go. Okay, okay? perfect. Great, thank you very much. Okay, you're very welcome. Have a good day. Okay, you too. Faith. All right, Thanks bye-bye. You. Okay, bye-bye. And while you're thinking of it, at the same time, Everyone, please get your garden hoses out uh, and make it a slow one. If you have a um, soaker hose, it's sometimes you can put a low, a slow trickle that's on there. Put it onto your evergreens, your cedars, your evergreens, and all your shrubbery, especially against foundations. Our foundations, we've been keeping our houses pretty cozy this winter, so we need to water. And watering is key. And I'm not going to say fertilize now because it's just waking up. All right? It's like, um, I kind of give it the analogy is when my granddaughter sleeps over, sleeps over and in the morning I say, do you want ap- apple juice or, or orange juice? And she goes, mm, it just doesn't look good first thing in the morning because I'm just waking up. So do not fertilize in the morning or <laughs> sorry, do not fertilize this early. 
when we hit into mid-May, then you're going to start fertilizing your evergreens and all your trees and shrubs. They need the energy and it goes along with moisture. Now, we're going to go right back to lines. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. I'm so happy to talk to you this morning. I bought a package of peonies, Felix Krauss, or however you say that. Felix Leclerc, um, yeah. And, I mean, they're all sealed up in a bag. So there were two pieces in there, um, and uh, I just bought them last week. And so they had little stems starting from them, but those are all dried out, like dry, dry, dry. Will, I've planted it in some dirt, but will it produce new stems? Okay, if you bought your rooting systems, because the peony roots are really uh, tubular, like they're thick, right? Okay, so those are the long finger things coming out? Yeah, those are the fingerling things. And the little stemming that's off of there is probably the old shoots or stalks from your plant. No, it's not from there. No? It's from the opposite end, and it would be like a new stem growing. Now, I'm assuming these have been in the package for a couple of months in the store. They likely got them back in March or something. Yeah. And and because they're in a warm spot, then they're starting to grow their new stems. These are definitely ah, the okay. opposite end and the new stems that would be producing leaves. Yeah, so these are the new shoots that are coming off of the old tubers, the new tubers, right? Yeah. So, cause, yeah, so sometimes if you're getting... Yeah, a lot of, um, sometimes some stores will get product in earlier and they've already started because they warm up, they emerge and the new stem and new leaves perform. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't get the moisture, then they crisp and, and they, the demise. So what I suggest is you know that direction is up, plant yep. it, but don't plant your peony too deep in a pot if you're starting indoors. Yeah, I I'm always starting like to, indoors. I always like to see, uh, um, Put it in the pot, and if I tamp my fingers on top of that grower mix, I like to feel the firmness of that root because peonies will find the directional of it up. And if you're not too sure, a little hint to everyone else, if you're not too sure which way is up on the peony root, plant it on its side because if you end up planting it upside down, upside down you'll cause a demise, whereas if you plant it on its side, the leaf structure will curl and find its way to the the sunny side, all right? So I, so I would so plant those them. those little stems are, are coming out of the dirt. Yep. I would plant it so that those little brown stems are just at the uh, surface because if, they've, if they have, uh, you know, died off and that kind of stuff, there is a chance that the energy in those fleshy roots from peonies will reemerge. Just be cautious because when you water it, water it well, put it in a sunny location, and do not water till that soil is partially dry in between. Okay. If you, but they should send up new little shoots still. Yeah, yeah. If there's still viability that's in there, it should have a secondary emergence. Okay. Okay. okay? Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling. Bye. Bye-bye. You know what? Peonies? Oh, I think you probably heard me say before, uh, I, I have fond memories of peonies back in when I was younger, and I always thought they were so sticky and full of ants, but the... Then I guess as you mature, you look at things and you see the beauty of them. But the peonies that are out there, glorious. I know they they're give us a punch of color in the spring and early summer that's in there. But there's new varieties of peonies. The uh, Felix there it's an older variety, beautiful. But there are some newer varieties, uh, single blossom, double blossom ones that are just beautiful. All right? So 
And you may even venture into a fern leaf peony. That's a whole different discussion. And you're going to all going to say, what's a fern leaf peony? All right. Thank you for sharing time with us this morning on the Lawn Garden Journal. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend in your gardens. And let's talk gardening next week on the Lawn Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.